Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Oh, so good to be back in your midst today. It is Monday, March 25th. I'm your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. And sitting here in the Batcave with me is the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. It is so good to be back. Thanks to everybody who understood when I was gone in New Orleans shooting a little movie called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot with my buddy Kevin Smith. You guys were very kind to uh, to let me have a little time off. Tried to keep you posted. Sent you some messages from Nolens, the Big Easy. <laughs> I guarantee good time had there by the bio. <laughs> I'm just going to talk like that for the rest Please of the do. day. Please do. And, of course, uh, thanks to Eddie Pence and Steve Ashton for also jumping in and doing their wrestling yes. nonsense. So, awesome. um, But we're back. With a brand new Ralph Report, an all new Ralph Report for today, Monday, March 25th. Great show lined up for you today. Not only do we have uh, the amazing Eddie Pence playing a game for you, I'm one s- of the listeners I'm of the Ralph Report. I'm sorry, whoever it is. It's a brand new game. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun and you can win some fabulous prizes if Eddie Pence picks your name out of the hopper and plays for you. So we'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Also, Steve Ashton will be stopping by with another UK update. And this coming weekend, Sunday night, is the premiere of the seventh and final season of Veep over there on HBO. And so to celebrate the amazing show that Veep has been and will be in the upcoming final season, today's, and all week long actually, our special guest will be Mr. Tim Simons, who plays Jonah Ryan on that show. <laughs> One of the funniest characters on television in the past 10 years, in my opinion. So, so brilliant. I sat down with uh, Timmy, and we had a, uh, a long chat about the history of Veep and his involvement and his past and what's coming up for him. So all week long, he will be my celebrity guest interview. I think you're going to enjoy that for sure. So let's get things started. You've waited long enough. It's been a whole week since we had a brand new Ralph report. Well, no, we did one on Monday. We did one on Monday. I wasn't so here. But you weren't there. Yeah. But uh, we did a... Uh, a new one on Monday with Carrie, and now we got a brand new one with Eddie Pence back. And so to celebrate that, we're going to kick things off with a game. We're going to think every Monday we'll do a game. Oh, okay. And this is a brand new game. Eddie Pence will be playing for one of you fabulous members of the Garmy. Eddie, who are you playing for today? I, uh, I pulled this completely at random. I and for a- those who don't know, what we have you do is send your name and your mailing address to Eddie at theralphreport.com if you want to participate. And then Eddie's going to just hold on to him. Yeah. And every time we do a game, he's going to pick a name at random. And if you win, we've got your mailing address. We will immediately send out your fabulous And I'm prize. usually good at responding to emails, but since this was said, my inbox is... It overflows. It yeah. over. So if I have not responded to an email yet, I apologize. I will get to it. We don't it, really but... have to respond. They're just sending well, in no, their name I'm, and address. But people just talk to me normally, ask me different questions. Oh, okay. And we so can I respond to those. The, I haven't even got to those because there's like... 2,000 emails. Gotcha. Well, people want fabulous prizes. I understand. I can't blame them. They realize who's playing for them. Okay. uh, Who are we playing for today? Uh, Today we are playing, picked at random, uh, Monica Pike. Monica Pike. Monica Pike. Where's Monica Hale from? She uh, right here in Los Angeles. Oh, you're from Los Angeles. All right, good. You'll save me postage when you (laughs) win a fabulous prize, Monica, (laughs) with Eddie Pence playing on your behalf. It's like those old game shows when the celebrities would come on and say, oh, I'm playing for the... uh, Help uh, the testicular cancer get plastic balls foundation. <laughs> Are they plastic? You can get the, it. You can nudicles? get a repla- you can get a replacement ball. N- sure. Nudicles, right? Now that's for dogs, uh, but well, same the premise. Same, same premise. Um, so yeah, he'll be playing on your behalf, and if he wins, if he wins, you win. It's just that simple. So, Today's a brand new game. Yeah, very excited about this one. What I have done is we've been having so much fun with porn titles lately. <laughs> Some of these porn titles that get released are so hilarious, and we've been enjoying them so much. Today's game is based on that. I've taken 10 actual porn titles, real-life porn titles, and then I myself have made up 10 porn titles. And what we're going to do is read Eddie Pence two porn titles back-to-back, and Eddie will have to pick out the real 
porn title. He'll have to separate the oh. real from the fake. That's going to be challenging. I don't know. I don't know. I think you got a shot. I don't know. How did you come up with 10 fake porn titles that weren't even out there yet? That's, well, and, that's and impressive. This alone. is a caveat, too. I, I made them up. And then I did my due diligence by trying to hunt down to see if anything had been named that before because there's 9 billion porn movies in the world. So your web browser looks pretty sweet, right? Well, that's where you go incognito, son. I'm not an idiot. So uh, I did my due diligence. Should I have missed one? And it's very possible because, like I said, there are literally yeah. millions of porn titles out I don't even know there. how you would make Some them tiny one. little companies put them out. Some are just online. Some are released as a DVD. I did the best I could. Should somebody bust me and say, oh, I, I saw that someplace. You can lick my brown eye, okay? LMB. Because I did the best I could. And so we're trying to separate real from fake here. To the best of my knowledge, I made up 10 porn titles. But I know for a fact that the 10 real porn titles are actually real porn titles. So that much we know. (laughs) Now, the name of the game is Fake Porn, Real Porn. And when I announced the idea for this game, I want to thank uh, Christian Cicchini, he was kind enough to send in a, uh, a jingle for this. So really? we've, we've got it already right dolled up. Wow. Production ready. <laughs> this is what Christian came up with, and i got to say it's pretty awesome. Eddie, are you ready? It's a fake one. It's a real one. Oh. All right. Is it fake porn or is it real porn? Wow. Eddie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Now, ready. these movies are all grouped. Into two. One real, one fake. And they all they have a common theme. Okay. Keep them sort of in the same right. <laughs> same family, okay? okay? So let's start off with number one. You keep track of I your will. score, okay? It. And as always, five or more is a winner, okay? okay. If you get half of them or more That's correct, then uh, what's her name? Monica? Monica Pike. Monica Pike will be the big winner today. Okay, here we go. Uh, the first round... These are all movies based on <laughs> facials, okay? Facials is the theme. The first movie, oh no, not in my eye. The second film, no swallowing allowed. No swallowing allowed or oh no, not in my oh, eye. Man. You have to pick the real porn title from those I'm two gonna porn go titles. no swallowing allowed is real. That is correct, sir. <laughs> Yeah. No Swallowing Allowed is the real porn film. Oh, no, Not In My Eye was the one I made up. It's going to be really bad if I nail all ten of these. Well, I think it will tell us a lot about you. Okay. Uh, number two, the theme is workplace porn. Okay. It's workplace porn. The two titles, A Muff Day at the Office <laughs> or Corporate Titties. A Muff Day at the Office or Corporate Titties. Which one is the real porn name? I'm going to go Corporate Titties is real. That is correct, Eddie. Corporate Titties is real. A Muff Day at the Office was my creation. I hope my wife isn't listening today. All right. The uh, third couplet here. This theme is a religion. Religion. Taboo. I know. We're getting in some dicey porn territory here. Here's the uh, two films based on religion. (laughs) Jews love black (laughs) cock. <laughs> Jews love black cock or Catholic girls are holy and that's spelled H O L E Y. Catholic girls are holy or Jews love black cock. Which one is the well, real porn if movie? If the fake Eddie? one is Jews love black cock, I just love the fact that you made that. <laughs> I'm going to go with the second one. Catholic, Catholic girls, girls are, are holy. Are holy. Really? No, I'm sorry, Eddie. Jews love black that, cock is an actual porn film porn. that exists. Yeah, so uh, it's your first miss, but you're doing well. I think you're well on your way. Okay. Uh, this next couplet, the theme is interracial porn. Okay. Interracial porn. Black folks and white folks, basically, in case you were, con- <laughs> you were confused by the term interracial. Here are your two titles. Black astronauts explore Uranus. Black astronauts explore Uranus, or a rapper wrecked my crapper. <laughs> a rapper wrecked my crapper, or black astronauts explore your anus. I'm gonna say real is a is a, a black uh, rapper. A, a, rapper a rapper wrecked rapper, my crapper. Rap, wrecked my crapper. That is correct, Daddy. That is the real porn name. A rapper wrecked my crapper. Yeah. You, you have a hit on your hands if you turn that other one into a real one. Black astronauts explore your I think so. I was kind of proud of that one, too. <laughs> All right, the next theme is history. These are historical porn titles. The first one, Viking Girls Gone Horny. Viking Girls Gone Horny. 
or the second film, Prehistoric Cave Girls. Prehistoric Cave Girls or Viking Girls Gone Horny. I think Viking Girls Gone Horny is real. That is correct, sir. That is the real porn name. You are four for five. You just need one more for a victory for Monica. So much better than the backwards game. Uh, Here we go. The next theme... Uh, families. Families. Family oh. porn. Oh, like incest? Uh, no. Oh. This is, uh, well, you'll understand from the title right. exactly what we're talking Gross. about. Gross. Here are the two titles. How much for my sister? Okay. Question mark. How much for my sister? Or <laughs> don't screw my mom. Don't screw my mom. Those uh, are two porn titles. One of them is real. Which one's the real porn? Don't name? screw my mom. That is correct. Don't screw my mom is correct. How much for my sister? Sadly, never was actually made. So <laughs> it should be. Monica's already a winner. She yeah. will be receiving today, by the way. The Today's Fabulous Prize is a copy of the autographed poster that we gave out uh, to the VIPs on the last live Ralph Oh, report. the Fallout so, version. The Fallout yeah. version. It is uh, pretty cool. Four of us done as caricatures from the, the video game Fallout and has all our autographs on it. So, Monica, we will be sending that your way this week. But let's play it out. What yeah, do you say? Play it Just out. for the hell of it play to it see, see how well Eddie can I'm do. I'm good at this. Um, the next one up. This is uh, subsets of girls. I guess historic. You could say this is also historical porn. Here we go. Barely legal Amish girls or pilgrim girls land on Plymouth Cock. Barely legal Amish girls or pilgrim girls land on Plymouth Cock. Uh, the second one sounds like something you made up. So I'm going to go the first one's real. That is correct. Barely legal Amish girls is correct. Pilgrim Girls Land on Plymouth Cock. That sounds like a garment. Not actually a real movie at all. All right. Next up is ass porn, anal porn. The two titles are Sphincter, I Hardly Even Know Her, or Escape from Azcatraz. Azcatraz. Yes. Sphincter, I Hardly Even Know Her, or Escape from Azcatraz. Escape from Azcatraz. Wow. You are on fire with these. That is a a real title. Escape from Azcatraz is real. Uh, Next up, uh, we did facials. Now it's uh, swallowing. These are swallowing titles, okay? So taking the whole thing. Exactly. Here we go. Uh, The first film is The Sperm Diet. The Sperm Diet or Nuzzle and Guzzle. The Sperm Diet or Nuzzle and Guzzle. Two porn titles. Which one is real? The Sperm Diet. That is correct, Eddie Pence. God, I'm this not. is uncanny. This is ridiculous. You I know are you are like a compass that always points <laughs> north. I think I found out what I'm good at. And lastly, the theme is witchcraft. Witchcraft. Ooh, the Ooh. dark side of sexuality. The two film titles are My Black Magic Wand. My Black Magic Wand. That's an interracial um, witchcraft porn. Or Bitchcraft. Bitch, uh, I'm going to go Bitchcraft. Once again, Eddie Pence, an unerring sense of what is real porn or fake porn. I think you got them all but one. All but one. It's the exact reverse of the backwards game. That is craziness. Monica, congratulations. We found something Eddie Pence is good at. There we go. Porn. Monica Pike, you are the big winner in today's game. We'll be sending out that poster to you shortly. I hope you enjoy it. That was today's game. It was called Fake Porn or Real Porn. Well done, Eddie Pence. Uh, I'm equal parts shameful and proud. You have found your calling, (laughs) sir. Although I got to say, I think some of mine were pretty good. I think some of those titles could have been real. It's very hard because you don't want to make them too funny. Right. And you want to make it sound like it could be because some of the other ones are so funny. So the I, astronauts exploring Uranus, you need to pen that one. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I might <laughs> I might start producing that here. <laughs> Things go south with the Ralph Report. I may just get into the porn industry. All right, now it's time to take a look at the big calendar that hangs here on the Batcave wall. We do it each and every episode to take a look at all the holidays that fall on this day. March 25th is the day, and it's time for Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Today is National Medal of Honor Day. The Medal of Honor, Eddie Pence, it is the highest award that can be given to a the personnel in the armed forces. It was created in 1861, and it is awarded only to U.S. military personnel by the President of the United States himself or herself, depending on what happens in the future, in the name of Congress for personal acts of valor above and beyond the call of duty. There are three versions of this medal. 
One for the Army, one for the Navy, and one for the Air Force. And the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard, they receive the Navy version, which I think is a ripoff. Well, the Marine Corps is a subset I of know, the I know, but Navy, still, right? Marines are their own well, thing. They are. Do you they really are. consider any more no, the Marines part of the Navy? I don't, but yeah. they spawned from Same the with the Coast Guard. Yeah. And they should get a smaller medal, the Coast Guard. <laughs> I'm kidding. Love you guys. Love you, Coasties. I think that's what you're called. I don't think it is. Anyway, how can you not celebrate the brave no, fighting absolutely. men who protect and fighting men and women who protect our country? So there you go. That's for you guys. Thank you so much yes. for your service. It's also National Tolkien Reading Day. National Tolkien Reading Day. It takes more than a day to read a Tolkien book. Ain't that the truth? I never was able to get into that. I, I couldn't get through them. I had friends in college who lived and died by J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, and I, I was like, man, that I is en- some dense shit. I enjoyed the movies, but I could not get into the books. I really just thought the movies were just okay. <laughs> I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for that. But today is Tolkien Reading Day. It is a favorite among fans of the renowned author. J.R.R. Tolkien was born in 1892. He died in 1973. I didn't know he lived that long. Wow, that is a long time. But he was, of course, a, a writer and a poet and a university professor. Best known for his classic works, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion. Don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not familiar. Anyway, the reason they chose this day, uh, March 25th, is to honor the fall of Sorin. That happened on March 25th. You got me, son. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I Ordinarily, I would buzz this holiday, but I don't want to deal with all the repercussions. I didn't, I didn't so. know Middle Earth worked on the same calendar as regular Earth. Everyone, please enjoy. Now, this one's going to be controversial because we've already celebrated a version of this day in August. And Eddie yeah. Pence uh, went off on how he thinks it's a finger food. Ugh. <laughs> That was National Waffle Day back in August 24th. Eddie Pence eats waffles with his hands, everybody. Let's never forget that. French toast. I I thought it was waffles. I'll eat a waffle with my hands, though. Are you a waffle guy? I am a waffle guy. I thought you were. I am a waffle guy. But French toast you eat with your hands. Yeah, I pick up a... (laughs) And it's wa- like toast. What about it's toast. <laughs> it's not toast, it's toast. at all. It's what about waffles? <laughs> waffles, you cut those up with a fork? Um, it depends. I'll, if it's a smaller waffle, I'll eat it like a, like a piece of toast. All right. Anyway, we celebrate National <laughs> Waffle Day on August 24th, but this is International Waffle Day. Oh, is there a difference? Yes, there is, Eddie Pence. One is international. What? The other <laughs> one is national. It sounds like they're trying to grab two days. No, this Waffle Day began in Sweden, where it's known as Valfredagen. Waffeldagen. Waffeldagen. is the day that also is Our Lady's Day. It's a religious holiday. And on this day, they celebrate spring, and they celebrate it by eating many waffles. Makes no sense. Because as you know, waffle is the official food of spring. And when I think women and ladies, I think waffles. I think it's Our Lady's Day as in uh, the Virgin Mary, Our oh, Lady. Well, yeah, that's yeah. even more so. She loved waffles. Yeah, that's, she did. That's that in was the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to those around the world who are celebrating uh, Waffeldagen... You can enjoy a waffle today as you uh, enjoy International Waffle Day. Pick it up and have a bite. Look, I can't (laughs) condone eating waffles with your hands because it's a syrup (laughs) food, and so there should not be any hands involved. You don't put syrup on your waffles. No, I put butter. Do you put syrup on your French toast? I don't like syrup. You don't even put syrup on pancakes? No, I don't eat pancakes. We've been through all I of know. this. Look, That's how confused. can you expect me to keep track of your myriad insanities when it comes to food? You keep saying I, that. We talked about we this. We talked about this. Every week Ralph, we talk we about talk six about different foods that you will or will not eat. How am I supposed to keep track of all of them? I just don't. I don't put syrup on things. No maple like syrup. syrup on anything. On anything. It's, okay. a, it's a straight up ban on maple syrup. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, to those of you in Sweden especially. Gryffensturken now we're going to get into more food-related holidays. This even in the nuttiest one. Because I this one I put first because I know we're going to burn through it quickly because I know Eddie won't eat it. So it's not even a question mark. But today is National Lobster Newberg Day. I don't know if you've ever had the American seafood, seafood dish known as Lobster Newberg. What is Eddie? Lobster Newberg? I eat lobster. What's lobster I know, Newberg? but you won't eat Lobster Newberg. And I'll tell you why. It's okay. a dish made with lobster. Okay. So far, so good. So far, so good. Butter. Okay. Cream, mm. cognac, uh, sherry, oof. eggs, and cayenne pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. See, that's really I, knew, I knew you wouldn't enjoy it. It comes from 1876. Delmonico's, the legendary New York restaurant, was where it was first served. It was invented by a sea captain named Ben Wenberg. He demonstrated to the owner of the restaurant, Charles Delmonico, how to make this dish that he used to make on the ships. Now, they had a falling out. It used to be known as Lobster Wenberg. 
But then they had a falling out, and so they took the menu off. They took the dish off the menu. Oh. And then the patrons started complaining because they loved it, so they brought it back. But they renamed it Lobster Newberg oh. instead of Lobster Wenberg because the when and new, if you flip when, it's, it's backwards <laughs> and it's Newberg. And that's how they <laughs> fucked over Captain Ben. They'll teach him to mouth off. So today we celebrate National Lobster Newberg Day. And we all knew Eddie Pence wouldn't eat it, no. but I've had it many times. And it's delicious, of course, so everyone else should eat it. It sounds like he good. just he was sick of eating lobster on the boat, and then just like whatever he had in the cabinet, he just threw in the pot. As is often the case. And then just to change the taste. You know, the while I was down there in New Orleans, I had uh, many a uh, New Orleans specialty. A lot of great food yeah. in New Orleans, as you can imagine. I, I posted on Patreon my adventures at Mother's Restaurant. It's been around since the 30s. Had a po' boy sandwich yeah. there, another thing you wouldn't eat. <laughs> And I also had uh, jambalaya, of course, which is a like famous jambalaya. Cajun dish. No, you don't. I you do. Don't. You don't. Oh, my God. And gumbo. Gumbo. And gumbo, much like the, what you just described the Captain Ben did on the ship, where he just took kind of the scraps of lobster and stuff and put it all together in a dish. Gumbo has an interesting history that I learned in the restaurant. Oh, really? Which is the slaves on the plantation used to eat last. And whatever was left over from the big house that they didn't finish they would put in a container and send it to the slave quarters. And often it was leftover vegetables and fish and whatever they had. And so they would take all those ingredients and put them into a stew, basically, and make up what was then called gumbo. Interesting. So it was slave food. It was just basically scraps. And it was so delicious that now it's a thing. Now it's, a, it's you know, almost a signature dish of New Orleans. Right? And it's considered high cuisine. When back in the day, it was just something they threw together because that's all they had. Wow. So there you go. But it is not gumbo day. It is lobster Newberg day. And as I mentioned, I love it. Now, this food, this is a food you would think everybody would eat. And we know he doesn't eat it in the pie form of this food. But this is just the raw, natural form of this food. So okay. I thought it'd be interesting to throw it out there, see if Eddie Pence would eat it or not. As you know... What we do is we pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine to see if he would eat this or not. This is known, by the way, as America's own nut. This is a nut that America has almost exclusive ownership over it. Do they only grow in North America? They do. Hmm. This nut is commemorated on this day because George Washington planted this nut tree on his Mount Vernon estate on March 25th in 1775 predates the, the birth of our nation, this wow. nut. It was given to him by Thomas Jefferson, gave him a sapling that he took from his own home there in Monticello, Virginia. Is it Monticello or Monticello? I think it's Monticello, isn't it? I think it's Monticello, Yeah, I believe. I'm not going to put the show on hold to find out that. <laughs> you just have to live with my pronunciation of that, boys and girls. He took that and he gave it to George and said, here, this is for you. Put this on your little, uh, your little plantation there. And so ever since then, it's been known as America's own nut. People love it in so many different ways. You can just grab a handful and munch on them. You can add them to your salads. You can make a delightful pie, as I mentioned earlier. You can put it in ice cream. Oh, such a, a variety of ways to enjoy America's own nut. And America's own nut is the pecan. The pecan is America's own nut. So we're going to grab the slot machine handle. We're going to pull it and see whether Eddie Pence is an American or whether he is some sort of communist. Let's find out. All right, we got one nut, two nuts. I don't like them. I know, and this is one I do remember. You don't eat pecan pie. We've covered that because yeah. it was pecan pie day last year, and, and we went through like that. The nut, the but nut. just the pecan, it just if just to have it, just as uh, the it's nut a, itself. No, it's a chalky nut. I don't. It's too. It's just chalky. It's not chalky. It feels chalky oh in my, my mouth. God. I don't like it. It crumbles too mu too easily. It's just. <laughs> It, you like a nut that's really hard to work with your teeth. I do. I like to keep the nut in my mouth. I for know a while you do. Yeah, and just move it around. Yeah, you like. But just just, keep I don't those like. Nuts I don't like mouth. the shape of it. It looks like a, a petrified cockroach. I see. So, so Washington and Jefferson are wrong on this one, and you're right. Hey, that's what you're telling they me. They also own slaves. Oh my god. So I don't think they're right but on the lots slaves of things. Slaves made a delicious gumbo. They and there did. it comes full circle. There you have it, boys and girls. Eddie Pence once again proving he hates America. <laughs> that was today's holiday or holiday. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment we call the Showbiz Beat. 
We love to kick off every Monday by taking a look at the box office from the weekend so we can go see what people were looking at in movie theaters over the weekend. Number one film this weekend by a large margin, Us, the new horror film from Jordan Peele, broke the original horror film record with a $70 million opening weekend this weekend. Wow. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, it means it's a horror film not based on a pre-existing franchise or something, not like Halloween 2 or something like that. An original Halloween, uh, excuse me, horror film. It broke the record with $70 million. And this is even more disturbing, I think, and impressive, depending on how you look at it. It is the second best opening ever for a live-action original film since James Cameron's 2009 Avatar movie. So that by that I mean original live action, not based on a pre-existing intellectual yeah. property. Right. It's not, not a like superhero a, yeah. movie. It's right. not based on a franchise. That's or impressive. Wow. Something else that you know from this is uh, comes up just out of somebody's mind, and it's sad that there aren't more of those films. I know. That's the movie industry. Now. Seventy million dollars made it second behind Avatar. That was a huge opening weekend, and uh, I didn't know this, but like everyone was talking about a Quiet Place. That was an original horror movie, also. That only made $50 million, so it smoked that. Smoked that. That, that owned the well, previous that record. Out, that also kind of came out of the blue a little bit, The Quiet Place. And it, it yeah, was, I it, guess it, it Get was, Out has... Yeah, uh, people had, were expecting this to do pretty well. Get Out has made Jordan PLA yeah. a, a name when it comes to directors, and people were anticipating this. You're right. $70 million made it number one. Then it was followed at number two by Captain Marvel with $35 million. Wonder Park came in third with $9 million, then five feet apart. That's your favorite movie. That's when where the <laughs> cystic fibrosis keeps the two lovers apart. Right, right. It's the Romeo and Juliet of diseases. That's right. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World was fifth with $6.5 million. Tyler Perry, I can't even say it. Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral was sixth. Gloria Bell was seventh. No Manches Frida 2 was eighth. The Lego Movie 2 came in at number nine. And Alita Battle Angel was number 10 at the box office this weekend. While we're talking about movies, are you familiar with the Masterclass online series? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. This, for those who don't know, is a series of, well, I guess it's kind of a school in a way. It's like taking experts in each field. Right, and they give give an educational lecture. lecture. Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in writing, David Mamet can tell you how to write a play. Steve Martin did a comedy one. Steve Martin did a comedy one. They they try to find experts in the field, high-end, visible professionals, and then... I assume they pay them a shit ton of money. I would assume. To sit down in front of a camera and then they're interviewed about their chosen field and then you can buy that course and then watch it and ideally you will absorb the knowledge that they have to offer and it'll make you a better fill in the blank, whatever that is. I have been tempted sometimes. Like when I saw the Steve Martin one, I said, I bet that's interesting. I wanted to hear that one, yeah. Steve Martin's take on comedy. I bet that would be useful if you're in the comedy business. But I've never really shelled out the cash for any of these. But I may shell out the cash for the latest one. Oh, really? Because they just announced this week that David Lynch is teaching a course on creativity and film. And he's nuts. Yes. And he is as, he's just as nuts as his movies are. And oh. I think this would be wildly entertaining, although I can't imagine it would be educational in any stretch of the imagination. Because how could you ho- hope that your mind would work the way David you Lynch's can. mind That's, works? You can't. You can't. It doesn't, and it wouldn't, and it won't. No. So whatever he has to offer you, there's no way you can take that and apply it in your own <laughs> no. daily life. That's what I'm saying. It should thinking. be fascinating to listen to, probably. He's a painter, a musician, an actor, a photographer, of course, a, a director and writer. And they had a little clip online of this new uh, master class offering from David Lynch. And I said, this is nutty enough that I might have to buy this one just to hear it. Here is uh, David Lynch talking a little bit about how he gets ideas for his movies. And he says ideas are really, really important. And here's how David Lynch gets one. When we get an idea that we love, you see it and feel it and know it all at once. A desire for an idea is like putting a little piece of bait on a hook and lowering it into the water. You don't know when they're going to come or what will trigger them. Lo and behold, on a lucky day, bingo, you'll catch an idea. And party time. And then party time. Well, and then you just write a movie. So I just have to put a little (laughs) bit of bait on the end of the hook and dip it in my brain water and then I'll catch an idea and then party time. And then party time. 
See, this is why this class is really useful because I wouldn't have thought of that well, myself. Just apply that to your everyday life, and next thing you know, I didn't play the whole thing. But he also says if you want to make a feature-length film, mm-hmm. all you need is seventy different ideas. Uh-huh. Write down each of those ideas on a three by five card. Stick those three by five cards up on the wall. And there you have it. There's your movie. Oh, that well, that makes sense with his movie. When you think that about a David Lynch film, that seems exactly like how he makes his movies. <laughs> so there you go. If you're interested, you can go to a master class online and listen to that. I might have to because he is wonderfully crazy. Oh, insane. So you get us some ideas and you put them on a three by five card. <laughs> he was approached to direct Return of the Jedi. Oh, that would have been Lucas. fun. And then he, he said no. Well, because it probably made too it much sense. It would have been insane. It was a linear script, and he probably didn't know how to get his, his mind wrapped <laughs> He said he had a that. pounding headache after the meeting. I can imagine. <laughs> now it's time for a new section in the entertainment news called, Hey, Rich People, Shut the Fuck Up. The first story, <laughs> first story in that new category comes from Barbara Streisand. I don't know whether you saw her uh, comments or I not. I did, I did. On the Leaving Neverland documentary about the two young men, Wade Robson and James Safechuck, who claimed they were sexually abused by Michael Jackson while they were young children hanging out with him. Streisand was asked about the documentary, and this is where I would give her the suggestion, hence the title for the piece, Hey, rich person, shut the fuck up. What she should have said was, wow, that was really something. I have no idea what went on behind the closed doors of Neverland, so I'm not even going to comment on that because how would I possibly know? I'm still processing this. Anything. That's not what she said at all. No, what she said was, it was too painful to watch. Absolutely, she said she watched it, but it was very painful to watch. And then she talked about the victims, the alleged victims, by saying... Well, his sexual needs regarding Jackson, his sexual needs were his sexual needs coming from whatever childhood he has or whatever DNA he has. You can say molested, but those children, as you heard them say, were thrilled to be there. They both married and both had children, so it didn't kill them, she said in the interview. Oh, my God. Well, not unexpectedly, she has now backed off that position and now is apologizing for the comments that she made. Because it's insane. I am profoundly sorry for any pain or misunderstanding I caused by not choosing my words more carefully. She said that she apologizes and uh, she's uh, no longer standing by that statement. Jesus. Now, look, you wouldn't have to apologize if you just shut the fuck up. Yeah. You don't have anything to say about that topic. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. It was really troubling. Do you think it's true? I have no idea. I have no idea. The last thing that you say. Yeah. Rich person, shut the fuck up. Story number two in the same category. Diana Ross now has come forward to defend Michael Jackson. Of she released a tweet over the weekend saying, This is what's on my heart this morning. I believe and trust that Michael Jackson was and is a magnificent, incredible force to me and to many others. Stop in the name of love, she said, quoting one of her most famous songs. Mm. Once again, she volunteered this. No one even asked her. And I know they were very close because they came up through Motown together, and I understand that they had a a very close relationship. But here's the thing you need to recognize as a human being. Whatever your relationship may be with someone does not, by any stretch of the imagination, dictate what they can do behind closed doors or what they're capable of. Right. If someone had come up to me and said, Eddie Pence just killed somebody, what do you think? I wouldn't say... That's impossible because we have a lot of fun doing a podcast together and he doesn't eat some shit. I wouldn't assume I knew your deepest, darkest recesses of your mind simply because we're pals and hang out together, right? Right. You can't assume you know everything about anybody. I have a lot of things in my head you don't know about. I would think, oh boy, that's terrifying. My blood just ran cold. I would assume everybody who's done something heinous throughout history had somebody who loved them who couldn't comprehend that it was possible. Otherwise, they'd be locked up immediately and they wouldn't have any friends. Exactly. If they went around wearing a sign saying mass murderer, then it would be a lot easier to clear the streets. So, hey, rich person, shut the fuck up. Unbelievable. And lastly, people are still talking about this college entrance scandal with these celebrities and other rich white people who gave a lot of money to this clown who got their kids into school even though they didn't deserve it. Pay for play. So a lot of other celebrities are taking shots at those celebrities by crowing about how their own kids got into college legitimately. <laughs> and one of those rich people is Dr. Dre. He, on his Instagram account, posted a picture of his daughter with her acceptance letter into USC and put the following underneath it. My daughter got accepted into USC all on her own. No jail time! Exclamation point. Taking a shot, obviously, at Felicity Huffman and yeah. Larry Laughlin, who looks like they're going to be in big legal trouble because of what they something did. Something to deal with. Now, here's the thing. 
He obviously made that choice to take a shot at those women and to crow about the fact that his kid, 18-year-old Truly is her name, by the way. Truly. Truly. She is in USA. Now, I'm not saying this is comparable. This is not the same thing. However, back in 2013, Dr. Dre and his musical partner, Jimmy Iovine, gave $70 million to USC to open up the USC Jimmy Iovine and Andre Young Academy for the Arts, Technology, and Business Innovation. So you're saying that might have I'm saying if you donate a $70 million building and program to USC, you may not want to say your kid got into USC legitimately above and beyond all the other kids who simply mail in their application. Do you go out of your way to post on Instagram and then take a shot at these other rich people after you know full well six years ago you donated $70 million (laughs) to that same school? But what celebrity nowadays is self-aware of anything? That's stunning to me. It's it's insane. You're opening yourself up to a jackhole like me to say in a podcast, (laughs) yo, rich guy, shut the fuck up because you gave $70 million to the school that your daughter legitimately got accepted. I mean, she got her, I'm sure she had the grades and the SATs and all that, but she definitely went up to the top of the list because Could that have swayed the school one way or the other, depending if there was two equals. Right. If there was truly. Truly. And and then then there was nearly. And they both had the same grades and the same SATs. Uh, Maybe truly got the benefit of the doubt. Nearly just missed it. $70 million. (laughs) You blow me. Rich people, shut the fuck up. And lastly, just because I love these baby names. You know, I love the kids' names. Yeah. Jessica Simpson. Congratulations to Jessica Simpson. She has welcomed baby number three into the world. After a very rough pregnancy, by the way, if you followed it at all, you know she talked about everything during her pregnancy, about her bronchitis and her swollen feet and her acid reflux. And in fact, she she broke a toilet seat. She broke a toilet yeah, seat? That's how big she got. Wow. She sat in the toilet and broke the seat. Wow. That's a big mama. That is. She welcomed her baby girl into the world on March 19th. The name, Eddie Pence? Birdie. B-I-R? B-I-R-D-I-E, Birdie May, M-A-E, Johnson. Birdie May Johnson. Unless you're a character out of Gone with the Wind, you should (laughs) never be named Birdie May. That is so (laughs) unfair to that child. She can't even go by her middle name. She can't go by May. Well, I guess she could go by May. I guess she could go by May. She can't shorten Birdie to Bird. Hey, Uh, Bird. B? What's up, Bird? Why... You are just... Uh. And you can't go by your initials, BM. You can't do that. Good point. <laughs> you can't go BM, Johnson. Can't go by BJ. <laughs> All right. We can't do BJ, BM. It's awful. Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, Monday, March 25th. Well, they weren't born on a Monday, but today is well, Monday. They were just some born of them might have been. And a random March 25th. <laughs> <laughs> Film critic Gene Shalit is 93 years old He's today. He's still alive? I did not know that either, Eddie Pence. I wow. was very surprised. Gene Shalit's 93. I don't believe he's reviewing films anymore. I, I, I would love to hear them. He used to be <laughs> the preeminent. Yeah, he was the guy with the mustache. Television the, the glasses. Uh, critic for films on the Today Show mostly, but NBC News in general. But he, I think he even predated Siskel and Ebert. He was cats. everywhere, yeah. Yeah, he was a big deal back in the day. Actress Bonnie Bedelia is 71 years old. Producer Ryan Lewis of Macklemore and Ryan Lewis is 31 years old today, so I guess we have to blame. We Half the blame goes to him. We right? blame him for this song, right? I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. I'm hunting, looking for a comer. This is being awesome. Yeah, that, Oof, that's, that wasn't good. Terrible. Actor James McDaniel from NYPD Blue, he is 61 years old today. He was a Lieutenant Fancy on that program. Actress Marsha Cross from Desperate Housewives. She is 57 years old. Saxophonist Steve Norman of Spandau Ballet is 59 years old today. I have talked on this program before of my deep love for Spandau Ballet. So to celebrate Steve Norman's birthday, I'm going to play you the entire saxophone solo from one of my favorite songs from Spandau Ballet, the song True. Here's the work of Steve Norman.
feel about the saxophone? That is beautiful. Oh, man. It's a good sound. Actress, actress, actress Sarah Jessica Parker is 54 years old today. <laughs> Actor Lee Pace is 40 years old today. Musician Elton John. Fuck off. He is 72 years old today. Elton, can you guess what my favorite Elton John song of all time is? Rocket Man? No. No? No. I don't know. It'll be obvious when I play it for you. I'm sure it will. Philadelphia Freedom, Eddie Pence. <laughs> there you go. Want to hear this? No, I don't want to hear this. What? It's not even football season. It all ties together. In the no, theme. it doesn't. This isn't the theme to anything. This is terrible. The whole thing? Can't interrupt it. Oh. can spell. Sean Jackson's back. That's all I'm saying. Foles is gone. So what? That's the guy who won your Super Bowl. Well, who got us there? Who got us to the playoffs? A little magic man by the name of Carson Wentz. Broke Dick Wentz. That's all you need to know. Comedian Alex Moffat from Saturday Night Live. He is 37 years old today. He plays... Uh, who's the dumb Trump? Eric Trump. Eric on Trump. That show. Oh, so funny. The dumb Trump. Singer Catherine McPhee is 35 years old today. And actor Paul Michael Glazer celebrates his birthday today. He's an actor, but also mostly these days he's a director, directs a lot of television. He's 76 years old, but he's probably best known for his work as Detective David Starsky. He and his partner, Detective Ken Hutch Hutchinson, used to clean up the streets as Starsky and Hutch, baby. It's not uh, TV Tunes Tuesday. Oh, I know. I haven't heard that theme in a while. Oh, that's a good one. That's another show, though, that had like three different theme songs throughout yeah, its four it years. Did. They had a bunch of different ones. That was my favorite, though. Uh, Paul Michael Glazer of Starsky and Hutch. He celebrates his birthday today. I'm Ralph Garman. I'll walk the showbiz beat. But we're not done with all the entertainment news just yet. We still have to hear from across the pond. That's when we bring in our UK correspondent, Mr. Steve Ashton, with his UK update. Oh, Ralph, you're the man who makes... You you make Joe Biden look like Joe Jonas. <laughs> so Ed Sheeran's in the news, Ralph. Really? <laughs> Always. Now, he's being investigated by his local council again. <laughs> he's a real villain. Is, I know, right? He's off, This is after putting up a 16-foot pub sign on his estate without getting planning permission. He's an abject fucking criminal. At this point, he's as bad as R. Kelly and Michael Jackson. I don't know about that. In British terms, at least, anyway, it's the same thing. So, uh, so apparently, he's already he's, he's upset neighbours who fear uh, that his new wildlife pond has been uh, built on his Suffolk, uh, Suffolk estate uh, that will actually be used as a swimming pool. But yeah. now the singer has angered them further over the plaque outside of his homemade pub. Now, the racist right-wing shitrag the Mail on Sunday has learned that Suffolk Council planning officials are due to visit Sheeran's estate to decide whether he must take the sign down. Now, it hangs outside of the Grade 2 listed barn that he's converted into a drinking den named the Lancaster Lock. Now, Sheeran apparently applied for planning permission in 2017 to create the private pub, which comes with an under with underground rooms and a passage to the main house. As much as I detest Sheeran Ralph... Yes. ...for what he represents in terms of modern music... Yes. ...for fuck's sake, he's being harassed by the right-wing Tory fucks that voted for Brexit, I imagine. Um, uh, and and in an unusual turnabout, I stand with 
Sheeran. It does sound like a big pain in the ass to live there. I mean, he should be free to build a pub and a swimming pool, right? Because for fuck's sake, no one would have ever served him in a pub or let him in a public swimming pool during his youth. So anything that stops him doing that in public is fighting for the entirely wrong cause. Keep him out of pubs and keep him out of public fucking swimming pools. Let's quarantine him. (laughs) I don't care. Markle's in the news, by the way. Oh, how is the Duchess? Yeah, well, all right. He's been described as the second most important man in Meghan Markle's life after Prince Harry. Uh, He's debonair, he's charming, and apparently he's got impeccable contacts. Uh, Marcus Anderson, apparently, is so close to the Duchess of Sussex that she refers to him as uncle to her beloved dogs. Now, he was um, by Meghan's side at the first public appearance that she had with Harry, which was at the Invictus Games in 2017. Um, and he was her, in inverted commas, bouncer at the global media, um, uh, sorry, as the global media thronged outside New, New York Hotel when she uh, hosted her own uh, baby shower, which apparently cost £350,000. And in a website post to him, she once wrote, what would I do without you, my loving, supportive, and endlessly fun friend? I love you so much. So just who is uh, this 41-year-old Canadian? Everybody's asking. I'm sure you are, Alf, right? I desperately want to know. All right. He's, he's, he's her fixer. He's her keeper of secrets. And, uh, and just how has he managed to cement himself into such a prominent position in the royal family? Well, Anderson comes from Peterborough, Ontario, a town which is 90 miles northeast of Toronto. Um, and at 18, he cuts his small town ties and headed for London, landing a job as a waiter uh, um, at the uh, A-list members club, Soho House. Look, uh, I'll be honest with you, Ralph. I'm going to fucking cut this short. I've got pages and pages about this. <laughs> In a nutshell, he's ace, right? And handsome and fucking lovely and brilliant. And he's totally, totally her unborn kid's dad. <laughs> You have that on good authority, do No, but fucking come on. Read between the fucking lines. If she doesn't give birth to a ginger... Now, of course, famously, Harry is the product of an affair between Princess Diana, his mother, and some ginger army cunt. So it would not be outside the bounds of possibility for Meghan to shove out some brat outside of this inbred wedlock. So you're saying this is a James Hewitt situation? Mm, possibly. Oh, hang on a minute. What? Sorry, Ralph, I've got to go now. Um, three or actually four SUVs have just pulled up outside my apartment and uh, <laughs> some men with uh, dark sunglasses and earpieces. Hmm. Earpieces have just have just got out. They appear to be examining the braking system on my car. I've got to go. I've got to see what they're up to. Bye-bye. Bye, Steve. <laughs> And as I mentioned, this Sunday night will be the premiere of the seventh and final season of Veep. I am genuinely sad that this television program is going away. I love this show. I look forward to a brand new season of Veep the way kids look forward to Christmas. I really, I start circling the calendar looking for the premiere date. And uh, only seven new episodes, by the way, in this last and final Uh. season. It's a truncated season, so we don't get as much as we usually do. But they're going to wrap everything up from all I've been told. I know this much. Selena Myers makes a run for uh, presidency again. Oh, really? And she has to go up against Jonah Ryan, who's also oh, running for president. Oh, my God. And we the had debates are going to be amazing. Jonah Ryan himself oh. on the show. <laughs> Actor Tim Simons, who plays Jonah, sat down with me to talk about his feelings about the, the end of Veep, uh, saying goodbye to his character, how he ended up in that position in the first place. It's a great story. You're going to love it. And also what he has planned for the future. So here is my first installment in my week-long interview with Tim Simons. Well, this is it. This weekend, the premiere of the seventh and final season of Veep. And how cool am I? How big time do I look to have one of the stars of that program with me as my special guest, Mr. Tim Simons? How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. How cool are you that you have number six on the call sheet? <laughs> but number to- one in our hearts. <laughs> That's all that matters. Uh, the seventh season does premiere this weekend, and I'm lucky to be able to ask you, now that it's all done and you're going into the final stretch, what is that feeling like? Uh, it's, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere between 
like it's it feels like somebody is stabbing you in the heart but you're kind of happy about it i don't know if that i don't know if that makes sense but like it's all it's the the wrap up like because we wrapped filming uh right before christmas um like the lead up was incredibly sad but incredibly joyous like we are we've been in a, a position where it's not like we got canceled after season two and we were like, man, we really could have, if they had given like us a, uh, given us a little bit more of a shot, we could have figured something out or, mm-hmm. you know, there was like some good shit that we could have done. Like we, we had our chance to do every single thing that we wanted to do. And we essentially, I think there was even a question like, it wasn't like they forced us, you know, I think they found an ending they liked and they were like, let's do it. Like, let's do that ending and let's end it here. And, and so we, we kind of got to go out on our own terms, I suppose, in, in that way. And was it a mutual decision between HBO and the producers or all I, I, that I actually don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure that they all had conversations about it. Of course, right. like that's way above like my pay grade. No, but I wonder if HBO would have liked to have gone another couple, maybe if they could have gotten it, but maybe Dave and everybody thought that they had told the story and this was a great way to, to finish. You know, I think I think from at least the conversations that I had and the conversations that I can remember, a big part of it was I going in when we got picked up, we didn't know if it was going to be the last one. Okay. So when they opened the writer's room, I think what, what kind of happened was that they were like, well, if we look at the political climate we're currently in, that affects our show greatly. Mm-hmm. And if, and do we want to try to keep fighting against something that is almost like if you're a political satire, you almost can't, you can't, there are, there are, you're going to, it's almost impossible to fight against what's happening. Right. Cause reality is more insane than the fictional that you're trying to create. Yes. And in the fictional world that we have created, there are consequences for consequences for incredibly stupid actions. And that is currently <laughs> not the case in right. the real world. There are political consequences for saying the wrong thing. There are political in our world. There are political consequences for saying racist shit. So, so I think like keeping all that in mind, they were like, okay, well, we don't know yet. So let's think about if the show were to end at the end of season seven, what would that look like? What would the ending be? And I think what they ended up doing was finding an ending they liked. Mm. And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> Fuck, we... Be now careful what you we, ask for. Yeah, yeah. Now do we do it? And I think they had a big back and forth. Again, this is all sort of like stuck kind of conversations I've had from with a few different people. It just kind of sounds like they found an ending they liked. And they were like, well, let's do it. Maybe let's go out a moment too early rather than a moment too late. And definitely not every show gets that opportunity. So the stabbing in the heart part is the ending, but the not minding so much part is that, you know, it's a creatively satisfying way to say goodbye. Yeah. 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 And we also like, I I mean, it really was like a joyous time. Just the actual filming of it was, you know, it always gets crazy. It's production. It always gets, it always runs behind. It always, the days are always long. Things change all the time. It's chaotic, but it was I mean, it was just everybody had a ball. Everybody knew everybody knew it was the last one. So we just had a ball. If it's not too personal to ask, was part of the joyousness also uh, Julia's health situation being resolved and knowing that she was healthy and on the other side of that? And I, I would I would like to think that's probably a, that would probably be a source of great happiness for everyone involved. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I suppose like health scares like that for anybody. I don't want to speak for Julia, but I think, you know, when you have something like that, of course, everything gets thrown into perspective. And albeit, I know that I I know that Julia was never going to be like, oh, we're going to do like the show's not going to go away. Like, I'm going to deal with this, but we are going to figure out a way for this to work. Like, that's just who Julia is. So Mm. um, I think, yeah, like to sort of have that long break and to so in like in some way, your mind probably does go to the idea that like. You know, maybe this will, maybe, maybe we won't get this back. Uh, you know, maybe Julia is going to be fine, but just the timing doesn't work out. And, but so to have everybody back after that break and with Julia sort of back, like sort of back in, back in good health was, 
yeah, it was just maybe it yeah, maybe it made us appreciate it all the more. But right. I mean, like one thing, this is something that Clea, when we wrapped the night that we wrapped, Clea Duval said this. And I hadn't really thought because she came on in season five. She's been she was on in seasons five, six, and seven. And uh, she sort of immediately like Clea is, is amazing. If you've never met her, she's hysterical she's, on the show. She's that's for sure. So unbelievably funny, but is just a great. She's an awesome person and sort of really as was kind of welcomed in. And and when we were leaving on the last night, she was like, one thing that was amazing about this was that everybody knew how good they had it the whole time. Mm. And that was really like that was so. I think that would have been there, like that sort of joyous feeling of like, we know we have it good. Um, that would have been there. That would have been there. Uh, no matter, no matter what. Why do you think that is when so many people say when they're in the midst of successful shows that they didn't realize what they had until after it was gone? In retrospect, they say, wow, those were really the glory days. Why do you think you guys knew from Jump Street that you were in the middle of something special? Was it just the nature of the, the, the people they had they'd put in that position? Yeah, I think it was the nature of the people that were in it just that were in the room. Like whenever like it was the right group of people and we had the right chemistry. Mm -hmm. And maybe you pull one person out of that and put somebody else in, it could get all get fucked up and this show doesn't go past season two. But it was I think it was just the right group of people that really worked well together. And and we're able to, even on hard days, have a really good time with what we were doing. And another thing is that we were given agency in it. Right. We were given agency in it in a way that I think even there are other shows that have great ensembles that maybe don't have the agency that we did. And and I think that was a thing that also was like, oh, so not only do we all get along and everybody sort of, we have this really supportive ensemble and that's great, but we also are a part of the creation of this. Mm -hmm. And, and that also is another thing that you can point to be like, Oh, I don't ever, I don't ever want to leave this room. I right. don't, I want to stay in this room forever. Isn't it weird that there's even now with all the technological advancements that are present in the entertainment industry, there is a weird mystical alchemy that comes into play when something is successful like that, that you can't, quantify or or create a formula for or you can't buy it just happens yeah it's it's remarkable that it is um unexplainable in some ways you know yeah i mean i don't even know i don't even know that you'd be able to i don't yeah i don't even if you like really sat down and and tried to figure it out my best guess would just be like just hire the right just hire the right people. Yeah. Don't hire the right people like sort of like in that analytical way of like, oh, like, well, Tony Hale was 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 in this. So it absolutely means that this also this other thing would also be successful just because Tony Hale's in it or whatever. Right. I'm not bringing up him only because like ask around, like ask around and you're going to you're going to know that you need to hire Tony Hale because <laughs> Tony Hale's amazing on your set. Like hire the right people right. that have the right attitude about this sort of thing. And I feel like that alchemy might be a little bit easier to find. Yeah. Like if somebody's like, wow, they're really talented, but I kind of heard they're poison. Like you're probably <laughs> not going to get probably not going to get that alchemy or yeah. maybe you're going to get it for nine episodes. Right. And then it's all going to fall to shit. <laughs> So don't hire Charlie Sheen, you're saying. <laughs> yeah. My God, who gave Charlie... Who gave... Char Here's a good idea. I'm just like, this is just a little Hollywood pitch. Let's okay. give Charlie Sheen more money. Because <laughs> he seems to do responsible things with responsible it. responsible with yeah. it. More with Tim tomorrow when we break down the character of Jonah Ryan and talk about how could he start as such a low-level flunky and now be running for president. And then when Tim explains it, it makes perfect sense, actually, for his rise to power. Also, it is a Tuesday. That means it's TV Tunes Tuesday. TV Tunes Tuesday. We'll be featuring one of the theme songs that you love best, submitted by you, the Garmy, and as a little extra bonus pleasure, Eddie's Drunk Thoughts tomorrow as well. So make sure you come on back. It's going to be a good show, but it won't be as good without you. I love you. I mean it. Bye. <laughs>